happening and we are live with Pedro Segundo. Pedro, hello. It's wow. good to see you. <laughs> I know, it took us some time to work this out, right? I'm so happy we are finally together and finally uh, able to spend quality time in an hour before the Democratic Convention. Which is uh, you know, how, Pedro, you're, you're in Los Angeles, correct? Yes, correct. Yes. And so are you at all? In, do you have any feelings about this? I, I know this isn't your native land, but how do you feel? Are you? I'm much more aware of things I wasn't aware before. It's been such a big learning curve uh, from 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 different from many different ways. So the, the learning curve of learning how to adapt to this new lifestyle after COVID happens and also trying to finally latch on to the internal issues of America because I'm here, because I'm here with my sweetheart, Amy Bellamy Young, and also um, uh, not having to work and understand how those dynamics work and understanding the political problem and how far back these issues go. Uh, and so it's been, it's been interesting to finally have access to that uh, uh, in first hand because all my friends are American and also Judy Thorne that you know that's the reason I'm in America too uh, is because of her so I get to learn a lot of from dif different sources of people so it's been a big learning curve in every aspect even to just be with you speaking is a big learning curve <laughs> how, how long have you been how long have you lived here um, I'm still I'm still a, a London-based musician I've been there for 12 years but since five years ago I've been touring a lot with Judith right and Having said that, uh, three years ago, I, I fell in love with, um, with Amy. So that meant that we get to spend more time together while in, I'm in America. Um, so I would say I was, I was spending half a year in America until COVID. And, um, and now I'm here for, for the foreseeable future, yes. So you've been spending half a year here for the last just three years or 10 years or? For now, since five years, I've been coming to America officially, yes. Before okay. that was just so let's so let's talk about how you got here and where you started so you're you're from Portugal correct yes I'm a I'm a Judy's favorite lesbian from Lisbon Portugal from Lisbon Portugal so you so uh, wow okay so Portuguese is a whole different language it's not it's different than Spanish I I know because I um, I worked with some guys from Portugal many years ago in New York and their version of Portuguese was very different, uh, but you speak fluent Spanish as well, I'm sure. I speak some enough to talk to everyone that, uh, as you know, America really only works because of the people that most of them speak, a lot of them speak Spanish. So I get to just speak enough to contact and connect with them. I'm not a perfect Spanish speaker, but I do, since it's a Latin root language, I still right. can connect. So, so Pedro, before we move on, I don't know if you know about this show at all, but I have, I, I lead the COVID crazies, we're called, because COVID has had a very big impact on a lot of us. And I know that it's impacting your work life. Although I did see a video that uh, you and Judith Owen and Lee Sklar did, I think this week, right? Summer in the yeah. City? Which yeah. so you, you guys are finding a way to work around it, but that's pretty recent, right? That you're in the. It's only of last week that we finally got to uh, to be in a room with social distance and masks, and me 
Leland and Judith, and I cannot tell how much um, life-affirming it was to be back in a room together and how much it's important uh, for people to be aware that the, um, to be a musician really latch on, latches on to the connection and how you feel of each other. And that's where I really um, um, appreciated again the fact I was in, a, in the same room as Judith and Leland. And as you know them, you interviewed them. I, I, I saw Judith's interview and Leland's a little bit of it. And um, and we are we are music lovers and we really love doing what we do. And it was hard to get to this point until last week. Um, and Judith is also very proactive. And that's what I really admire is that she straight after March COVID, we started doing a cappella videos. And again, uh -huh. learning curve of having the software to be able to do it and successfully, yes. It, it must be tricky when you're all in separate rooms to sync everything up so that it really sounds seamless. Yes, it's true. And Judith has managed to be um, an edit master. She really gets the sounds right. And I was, I was in New York because um, Amy is doing a show there, a show called Prodigal Son on Fox. And um, and so basically we were in New York until last month we came here to LA to be on this part of the of the coast and um, um, of America I mean and um, having said that um, so it was kind of um, hard to get the right sounds in a room in New York in a small apartment as you can imagine right so to get better and better every time we try it all again but hats on to to Judith to you know keep keep the motion going because we just played sydney opera house before covid oh my i, I remember seeing that that was kind of it had already started when you guys were there hadn't it it was already tickling in and we were just there and we were not sure what was going to happen and um and um, soon enough here we go that was our last memory and i'm so grateful we got to, actually leland couldn't make that tour so uh judith's um brilliant uh, harry shearer stepped in to to play the bass duties <laughs> that's not quite a substitute right there oh that's a legendary person for so now is that distract like if harry sits in with you guys is that a distraction for the generation of people that know spinal tap and i think is there is a good distraction really because the man is a renaissance man he yeah. he has done so much work in different directions he's an inspiration to me to be honest vicky he's someone that i'm very glad to call a friend and to get just to be in presence and he listened to him talk and his shows and his career is very inspiring and um and his attitude towards the business as well he's not someone that is a the usual person you see in a business just you know uh, doing a lot of that he is what he is and that's what really i appreciate in him but yeah we got to play the show and he was also celebrating a mighty wind in the, one of the folk festivals and um it was really great to see that a certain generation that was so heavily affected by by his work not so much me growing up in portugal yeah. i didn't really know about spinal tap because there was no really a direct translation of that kind of humor you wow know, even a mighty wind i've i've just discovered that on the tour bus with judith and lee and like okay you haven't seen that okay let's watch it tonight you haven't seen that let's watch it tonight and um so he's been again i think i've learned so much in five years about stuff that i wasn't aware of. is um is it funny for you pedro do you like do you get the humor does it work does yeah. it, it, it is now it is now to a point sometimes i can be dark and then you're like a 
wow, that was kind of dark. And I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> yeah. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice to it's nice to be exposed to it and also know when, whether you can go that direction or not because you don't know your audience. You have to be so careful when you throw the line, especially me, as not as, 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 as it is in my first language. Right. It can cross or be read differently. So I'm also having to learn again how to read the room before you start saying something right you have to really be present and in a moment and that's kind of the hardest thing it has been um, for me during COVID is how to find meaning of life again because the rug has been put out under our feet because everything I cared most is to touch people with the music I make uh, is it solo is it serving the artist music like Judith I like to serve her music but right. yet I'm so interested in, in connecting with the band and the audience. And that came off my, my, so that's kind of my, my most present state. You know, when I'm more present is when I'm really on the stage listening every, every inch. Like you saw, I think, when you saw- I, I was just gonna say, I saw you at NAMM with, with Marcus Eaton and um, I, I see Marcus quite a bit perform in that recent time. And he had played in my living room a few times. And you were gonna come and play with Judith and Lee and with Marcus. You were scheduled right before the rug got pulled out from all of us. You would have been yeah. in the living room, wow. But um, but yeah, I got to see you at NAMM. And I have to say, Pedro, and I'm not blowing smoke. I saw a lot of, I've seen a lot of people perform. I was a music promoter. I could not take my eyes off of you when you were playing. Also, the, the woman bass player who was with you guys was amazing on that my, game. My. Uh, Miley, she's uh, David Crosby's bass player now. Yes, she's amazing. Yes. So the three of you were incredible. But I have to say, you know, and it's not easy to take focus off of Marcus because I call him football because he looks like a big old handsome football player. Plus, he's got the voice of an angel. He writes great songs. He's an incredible guitar player. But I have yeah. to say, your percussion, I was mesmerized, and I don't remember being as struck. By a percussionist, very few um, have really uh, have moved me the way you did, and just so creative and original. We're gonna have you know what? Maybe how about, how about giving us a little taste now while we're yeah, talking? About it. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Maybe uh, I have to say, and and first of all, thanks for everyone listening to us too. It's it's it makes sense when people tune in, and so thank you for tuning in. Or if you happen to watch this later, please enjoy. I think I will start with something that made me be where I am now musically, which is when Judith approached me to make music with her, she said, Pedro, I'm fed up with drummers. And I was like, hmm, I totally understand you. And I, I kind of ironically said that in a way that I know where she's coming from because I'm a drummer myself and people still think, ah, oh, you're a percussionist. I don't like percussion and drums. But um, the approach I'm going to start with, maybe, and then I'll do another piece later, maybe. maybe yeah, we'll yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's uh, basically, basically how to have inten intensity with less volume, right? So I had to come up with, it's not original, I didn't, I didn't create this, but this instrument, which is very rudimentary and just a box, started in Ghana, Africa. It was a skin, skin head first, uh, natural skin first, and then became... In Peru, it developed into a wood instruments. So this is a way to, in music, we are always dealing with yin yang, positive, negative, right? We have the downbeat, the er, and the top. And so we all pop music as 
whatever you want to paint it is always is always there somehow. Wow. And, uh, with Judith was having that drum kit approach with a different sound source. And um, the Cajon was my point of departure for that journey. And, um, and that's how we got to make the first tour, Judith, myself, and uh, Leland, was just with the Cajon, so, so simple. Yet, uh, this is kind of what you can do with it. Just, you just use the Cajon, that's all you use with Judith? That's all I use, yes. But there is a caveat here. Okay. The caveat is you can address it with different sound, all ah. different gadgets. So I can, uh, I can lead the rhythm with the brush, with the cajon, and this is all with the cajon right now. And right. I can add a shaker to to bring motion into the the drive, the rhythm, right? Right. And, uh, all different kind of, all different kind of sounds. So, <laughs> anyway. So I can give you an example. Yes. You can see me well enough. We can, and I love that you're explaining this, Pedro, because the cajon is one of my favorite instruments, actually. And uh, I just love that. And I, I'm amazed that you can you do see me well. Yes, yes. Okay. So I'm going to show you and everyone listening how much fun is to have less. Less is more, and that is true. And less is less. That is, that's the bottom truth. But uh, <laughs> when less is less, but less is more when you use it to serve the song. And uh, so basically, if I have something, um, um, let's just say, looking for some hot stuff, Judith Owens. So they're looking sort of, uh, I could just do that and sounds good, right? Yeah. But uh, why don't I start different layers? And, and I'm gonna just talk play now, I'm not gonna talk. I'm gonna show you how to build up layers into a potential climax with a, with a chorus and then come down back again, all right? I so love I'm, it. I'm I love it. I love it. Um, that, oh, let's see if I can get us both back on here because I, I had it just fixed on you. That was fantastic, Pedro. You, before we came on the air, you were, you were fooling around with something else and it was more like it. What, what was that that you were playing before? This is an instrument I happened to come across actually three years ago, coming to three years ago, which is the handpan. 
And for those folks living in California, this is in California, in Glendale, there are many oh. Glendale. And wow. this is the number 100. And I think, I, I don't know if you agree with me and if you're a believer of that, but every organism has their own vibration and, and vibe. And uh, like us people, you know, we feel of each other and we, we really know when we feel good next to something or to someone or next to someone. It's the yeah. same thing with instruments. And this is a unique instrument that uh, is called a handpan and it's, I just fell in love with it. Do you want me to play it now for you? Would you please? Would you give us a taste? Because it sounded so beautiful. Wow, that is so beautiful. Yeah. And is that One is that, something that, that is that something that I would imagine that's something that you teach yourself to play. I can't imagine that you can learn that any other way. So, so Pedro, let's, <laughs> let's talk about how you how you became a so. Which do you, do you prefer being a percussionist, a drummer, or do you want to be all of those things? Or do you love being all of those things? Um, that's, I love when I, I'm asked that because, um, again, we as musicians and artists, we all have different tendencies. We have tendencies to focus on something or just to embrace what comes your way. Right. Growing up in Portugal, I somehow got into a path of discovery where there were no really limits to what I was able to um, practice or make music. So I, I do know, and the, the truth is I was enchanted by sound, really. Uh, from an early age, being at the table with my family. I hope you are watching Maria Antonio. <laughs> um, well, tell us, tell us, Pedro, was your family musical? Were your parents musical? No. They are not musical at all. No, that's only a grand, great grandfather called uh, violin, violin, and that's all we had. But that was three generations ago. My parents, and they allow me to say because I'm also saying in English, is not going to understand. Um, <laughs> my father is tone deaf, and my mom cannot clap on time. <laughs> so how did this? So when did you discover that that you were musical? How did you? How did you discover that you were musical? Um, I think. Um, you mean me or them? You. Me. I, yeah. I, I think I just was constantly breaking glasses at the table when we were having food. I was playing with the pitch and how the, uh, how, oh my God, that sounds different with more waterless water. And I make beats with my mouth and on a plate and I would drive my mom crazy. But again, they were kind of tuned in and sensible, sensitive, I apologize to how to support me, you know, it doesn't matter about the means you have, I think, I, I've, I've come up to understand that it's not how much you have, it's how, how much you can make it happen with very little. So they just opened the door to find my way to discover my voice. And that started with a very funny story I have to share with you. Yeah, please. I, I, I remember my sister is four years older. She's a very talented musician as well. So we uh -huh. both grew up together. She's called Carolina Segundo. And what did she play? She plays piano and sings. Yeah. And she happens to be 
a beautiful director of a music school in Lisbon with 200 students. Wow. And she did uh, music therapy and she worked with autistic uh, kids. Wow. So she did a beautiful work. Not so much performance like I went that path. Right. I remember she was in this music school in Benfica near the big team in Lisbon, Benfica. And uh, I remember she was already going to organ lessons and I was six and it was time to apply to an instrument, my parents thought. So they thought that he should go to the organ. Organ is the perfect instrument for him to know the chords, everything. And I don't think I, I probably made it to the end of the year, but very, with my nose, very, you know, <laughs> twisted. And it came to the, it came to the renewal, uh, to renew the year. And uh, what happened was um, I talked to them lovely um, Silvina, Dona Silvina, the, the lovely person that was in charge of the school. And I uh -huh. told her, um, please, no more organ for me. No more organ for me. And I was like, what do you want to play? I want to play the drums. And she was like, but you cannot reach the pedals. And I said, yes, I show you. Let me show you. Take me to the room and I show you. And I was seven. And I remember oh. the drum was there. And the drum teacher was like, who is this kid? And I didn't hear the conversation because too young to understand. But next thing I know, I started that year, which led me to have a full four years uh, uh, study from seven, eight to 12. And then by 12, the teacher told me, okay, go, you're ready. And uh, wow. he was like, go, go, go find yourself. And um, that is not to say that he didn't have more to, for me to, I'm, he's a very good teacher, but he, he gave me everything that I had to take with me and then just go and play. And I played every weekend in my local church with my sister. So that was a very good school of- uh, What kind of music were you guys playing in church? Was just normal, you know, Christian music in the local uh, church there it was very and much part of our growing up. So I'm very grateful to that in the sense that it gave you a lot of chamber music skills, a lot of how to play with others and also how to be comfortable in your own skin, you know, and mm -hmm. also uh, sometimes we take it too seriously. And after all, it, matter, it, it doesn't matter, you know, we just do the best we can and try again to connect what really matters to the essence of a song or- By the way, your sister is on here. Somebody just told me. Oh yeah? Okay. Yeah. I love you. Hola, Carolina. Um, so she's she's a truly special person because she has great rhythm. She sings really well. And she was really good into voicings, like really reharmonized stuff. So and to, to the point that recently I called her, hey, can you help me with harmony? And it was like, Pedro, that's wrong. You're gonna have the melody on the top right on the right hand and the chords on the left. No, no, you've got to practice that. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, your sister's so, saying thank you. She's right here. She's she's okay, good. She's right here. Cool. That's lovely. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of was the the beginning of the drum um, the drum um, learning. But then, so that's when you're playing a, you're playing a kit. You're you're. Yeah. I was. Do you know? Do you want to know the funny story? Yeah. The first song I played in my concert was a was a Phil Collins song. Um, wow. Yes. Did you, you aware, were you aware of Lee Sklar back then? No. Way. No. No. <laughs> I remember buying the album and I played that. And before that, before even studying, I remember playing along to Queen, the greatest hits. I was batching all the vases on for the flower the flower vases you know just making it from it. yeah so yeah that was easy i think easy lover she is an easy lover that's a great song so okay 
when you were growing up in Portugal and you were a little boy, what was what was your what kind of music? What was your passion? Uh, well, I like to play what I had access to, and that was mm -hmm. definitely playing every Sunday from seven to to twelve with my sister, like constantly playing. But as far as my development as a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, really developed when I went to the music conservatoire in Lisbon to study classical music. And that was just a year after I started the drum school. So that's why, to answer your early point, early question, uh -huh. how, how I got into to, to music and to do this and why I prefer one or the other, right. I, I cannot answer so easily because straight after I started drumming, I started with classical drumming. So it was timpani, marimba, vibraphone. So I got to play youth orchestras, and I started playing Bach, uh, Mozart, mm. Beethoven, Brahms with the youth orchestra. Wow. At the same time, sometimes in the same evening from 13 to 17, I would go to nightclubs and play Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, and Bill Withers without knowing them. Uh, Vicky, you have to believe me. I had no idea it, who they were. I was just using my ears to tune Wow. I had no idea who they were, really, honestly, no. Wow. So that was my school, and um, but I, I try, I, tr I could try to dissect my 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 uh, my my path very succinctly. It's hard, but I do know that one changing point was when I went to Barcelona when I was fifteen, and I went to study Afro-Cuban uh, and jazz jazz music in Af in Barcelona for a month, and that's just like. Whoa! I want to play jazz, and I want to be a jazz drummer, and I want to play uh, all this kind of stuff that that I have access, have access to in Portugal, and it was great. And I must say, Portugal is filled with great talent, and and um, is very healthy, very healthy uh, talent-wise. Yeah. Pedro, maybe you can answer me. I'm so curious about this. My my daughter is actually uh, uh, her boyfriend is a jazz uh, saxophone player. It seems to me that every musician I know uh, is is drawn to jazz. And yeah. why do you think that is? Oh, that's a very easy answer. Do you know why? Because mo popular music is definitely rooted in the blues, right? In the feel of the blues. So, for someone that wants to know more about jazz, everyone should know about jazz in a way that has all the answers of the harmonic structure. Um, the meaning of the song, the meaning of the lyric, all the great shows come out of the, that the swing swing era and, and also other eras. But uh, so jazz is, is is the meat and potatoes for for everything: melody, harmony, uh, truth. And um, and if they want to know more about jazz, go search the the, the source of it. Go to New Orleans. I actually I have a Preservation Hall T-shirt here. Nice. Uh, which is, I'm in love with New Orleans in a way that the first time I went there is like I could connect with, whoa, what was happening, um, the the how the the street beat, the happy beat started. How could you go? All those rhythms that are connected to Africa, to Congo, and then bring the swing feel where the the, the classical music goes. As soon as the, the 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 tradition from military band came into jazz play, it's the same thing. But look, I'm gonna go back 
and then you 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 guys raise your hand when I go to jazz. Oh yeah. So it's those little things that have made me feel feeling fall in love with jazz. It's the feel, how it makes you dance, the triplet feel. So, yeah, all the answers are there. I find that progress, for me, progressive jazz is in a, a little inaccessible for me. I uh, Really, progressive jazz is just too wide. Like, I can't get, I can't feel it as much as, um, but I appreciate, I can appreciate the talent that goes into it. But if you're going to, two part questions. So, if you have a preference for a music that you want to play, and a preference for music that you want to listen to, what, what, what's going to pull you? Oh, um, Songs Without Words by Mendelssohn is a piano, mm -hmm. the piano works that mm -hmm. moves me. And uh, my neighbor here in LA, Russ, is also a very good piano player. And we talk piano pieces. And he's the guy that I always talk about classical repertoire. I go there, Mendelssohn, because the lyricism and how can you say so much without words? So that takes me, so I love a lot of the classical repertoire. When it comes to 20th century music, I would have to go with any Ella Fitzgerald or um, uh, record. I would go with, oh my God, there's so much things I love, but how they make me feel. Bernardo Sassetti is a great piano player from Portugal that changed my life when I was in Barcelona, when I listened oh. to his album. And, um, uh, I can write that down later. So you can really check it okay. But it, it's so many stuff I love. It's so hard to pin down. But uh, I always it's not popular music, Pedro. When you're listening to popular music, yeah. uh, what 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 uh, what would you put? What what's on your on your Spotify list or whatever on your CD player? Um, let me think. Um, I, I'm enjoying listening to the last album of Lian La Havas that just came out. Lian La Havas, she's a Brit. She and um, I. Uh, oh my God, you put me really on the spot here. Don't, don't worry about it. I was, just curious. I was just curious. So okay, so now, so how? Okay, so you're you're a youngster and you're traveling around and you're you're playing and you're learning. Your parents are being supportive. Right, they're encouraging you to do this, yeah, uh, and you were also going to school at the same time. So you got you had an education as well as a music a musical education, yes. Yeah. And so, was it always your dream to be a professional musician? Was that the plan from the beginning? Yeah, the, at fifteen for sure. After that trip to Barcelona, I was like, oh, "Your mother, that's on here, Pedro." Who? It's your mother, not your sister. It's Hold your. On. Oh, that's so nice. Okay, so, oh, so, so, how did you make the transition from being a student of music to being a professional musician? I know you were playing, you were playing in clubs while you were in school. I seem to get that. So, how, what was your first professional gig? How did you transition to be a professional yeah. musician? Was, um, it's going to sound weird if I say this, but in Portugal, there is this tendency of uh, 
giving young students uh, an early uh, professional um, experience. So when I was 17, uh, 16, 17, I got given my first concert with the Gulbenkian Orchestra in Lisbon, which is the major symphony orchestra in Portugal. Wow. And that was like, I was like, oh, oh, oh my God, oh my God. And is that, is, that, is that relationship of not just playing, is how to count bars and come in the right place. Um, and so that was good. So that was my first gig at 17, which I mm -hmm. love that orchestra. And I'm always trying to keep in touch with them. And also with the great mentor of mine in the jazz world called Mario Franco. He's a great double bass player and also composer. And he, he's the first ballet dancer of a national ballet co company in Portugal. It's just incredible. And he, he's the guy that gave the first touring gigs as a jazz musician at 16, 17. So that was like the confirmation for me. I should probably move on and try to go to a, a big fish pond a, a big pond and I'm just a little fish and see how I can how, how can I deal with that pressure so that's why I, why I, let, I went to London when I was 18. And okay so, and so what happened when you got to London? I got to the Guildhall School of Music and Drama and I did my degree in classical timpani and percussion after knowing that I, I, I didn't have a, a place in a jazz course because they already filled those spaces and I was a late applicant so I just told them look I'm not going to wait a year. I'm just going to go and try for the classical course. And I got in. Uh, Richard Benjafield is the head of the department there. He was very inspiring to it in the department. So I got to really have a wide understanding of music, not just 20th century, but everything that comes before. And as a drummer, I don't know any percussionist drummers listening today, but as a drummer, it's always important to know the background of your craft, understand what comes before, understand the, the reason of that yin and yang, positive, negative ratio in music. And that comes from timpani, from orchestra. It comes from the Turkish music in Mozart when they have the cymbals and bass drum and the triangle, how the rhythm makes, brings character and sound. So it was the best four years of my life um, wow. in, in London. And that's why I started, soon after I started school, started trying to come dance a lot in, in very little time. and. Um, as soon after I got into the guild, I got my first professional gig. And that was like, I, already, I was already creating a network for myself while in school. Uh -huh. that, that's what led to me then have, um, have uh, um, important gigs like with Dennis Rollins when uh, in 2009, I started this trio with this trio. And then who know, who knew I would get the call to um, join the house band and Ronnie Scott's in London. That was like, and you know what? There's no secret for that. You know, it's just you turn up, you go to the jams, you show yourself, and they'll they have there's no better business card than just turn up and play, you know. Well, I think there's also something about your essence and your your spirituality that I think is very and, and also um I would imagine your work ethic is important in those situations as well, correct? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, my, my English mates, they were like, Pedro, come to the pub. And I was like, no, no, every minute counts to me. I'm just going to go practice and then go out and play and listen. It was so funny because the school in London, Guildhall School, is right next to the Barbican Center where the London Symphony Orchestra plays. So as students, we have no much money and it's already costing us a lot to be there. Uh, yet is yeah yet is uh, by knowing now in America is much less than actually fees in America because I was going to go to Berkeley, 
I got a place at Berkeley College in Boston. Oh yeah. But it didn't happen to go that way. And I'm glad it didn't because I had other kind of flexibility in London. Anyway, going back, I, I digress. So I would go practice from 8 to 5, 6 p.m. in the evening and then go see the second half of London Symphony Orchestra for free because you just sneak in and then go back, practice a little bit more, have some food and then go to Ronnie Scott's from 11 to 3 a.m. I wow. did that for four years straight. Was it, did you see, I'm trying to think of that movie and I, I can't think of the name of it where it's- Whiplash. Thank you, Whiplash. Was, was, were you in conservatory like that? Was it, was it intense? No. No, no, no. It was a loving environment. And especially that, that, that movie portrays a wrong idea of uh, the music, uh, music education, I think. And there's a lot of controversy around it. It's a great movie to watch and see yeah. how someone, it's more about the views than actually being in the music school. It's about how can someone take advantage of their position to, yes. to control others. And that's what that movie is about. It could be the oboe. I would love to see the oboe version of that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but but I think there in, in certain conservatories, I mean, my daughter's an actress. And so in conservatory drama school as well, it's very competitive and they do kick people out and they do, uh, were you in a conservatory program where if you weren't up to snuff, you could have been expelled? Yeah, in Lisbon was like that. I mean, mm -hmm. Lisbon was a bit like that. It was a, it's still very much in the old, uh, there was, was a bit of a Russian school there, mm -hmm. so it's more strict. Mm -hmm. But my percussion teachers back in Portugal, they were loving, they were super great. Even my audition, now going back 10 years when I was nine, eight, and the, my audition in the conservatoire was like this. So... Welcome, Pedro. What can you play? Can you read? And I was like, uh, can I read? No. Okay, so um, play me something. And I was like, okay. So I already had played drums by then. So I, they gave me a snare. And I was like, wow, this is much less than I'm used to. <laughs> uh, and I just go and uh, jammed on the snare. And I remember it was a lot of applicants for that, for that place. They only took 30 musicians. And, um, and that was it. That was kind of the beginning of that. So um yeah so the conservatory was very did you freeze relaxed. oh god relaxed. Pedro did I oh. hello 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 Pedro. Oh God, we, we, we were gone for about five minutes and I have two minutes. I have no idea why, but we're Hello. back. <laughs> we're back. That was freaky. Um, uh, what was I going to ask you? Um, I was just in the middle. You were in the middle of saying something or I was in the middle of that. Oh, when, when did you? Huh? Conservatory. Yes. And, and when did you learn to read? At what stage did you learn to read music? It was very slow, Vicky, actually. I didn't get to reading with confidence until I was 15, 16. Also because thanks to my sister, Carolina, um, she gave up art theory le private lessons with uh, as a, a, a gentleman called Israel, like the country. Um, uh -huh. um, uh, Israel, and, um, and basically he gave me 
six intense hours every week. So she gave up that to me so I could get better theory and reading and harmony. And that really put me in a beautiful place of uh, ear training and reading. So that moment, you know that moment when suddenly you can get StreamYard to work, you know? That moment you go, okay, I got it figured out. That was the point at 15, you know? That was that moment I felt like, whoa, okay, this is empowering. Wow, and I hear so many rumors. Oh, I don't read, you don't need to read, why well, need to read? No, he's the best. Like Leland Sklar wouldn't be the legend if he, he couldn't, if he, you know, if, if, if you're saving people time, it's worth it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I started reading at that time, 14, 15. And it's a joy because now in London, very slowly, and I don't know if you're aware, there's a lot of uh, movie see, movie uh, sessions in, in the UK, in London. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, actually, uh, it's actually quite more than actually in LA because wow. of, uh, because you would expect they would be recorded more in LA. But uh -huh. because of... Um, I don't want to get into much detail, but it's to do with um, the, the unions and all that. Right. And somehow for them worth to go to London because again, we are good sight readers. And um, and because I sight read, I slowly get some calls once in a while to do some movie dates. And that's really humbling because that's people doing all the John Williams records wow. and uh, not John Williams, not, not all of them, but all of the major Hollywood sessions are made in London. Um, so. Wow. That's another side of it that would not happen if it was not for me to be able to read. Because also to have the cold, uh, cold blood of just turning into a session, the red light goes on, and you say, you are so comfortable under your own skin. You're just going to do the job, do what's required, say hello, say goodbye, and let's go home. You know, that, that's discipline I love, too, you know. And, yeah, so it's that's another way of... So how, how Pedro did you meet Judith? How did that association happen? That was thanks to the great friend and also Judith's musician and cellist, Gabriela Swallow. Gabriela Swallow, um, after, what do you, so when I got the house drum gig in Ronnie's in 2010, suddenly I got exposed to a lot of people, you know, and people would see me play opening for all the major acts like Wynton Marsalis, um, and you name it. Um, so I got exposed what to that. somebody tagged Stanley Clark on, on the thread. Oh, yeah. uh, you play, have you played with Stanley? I know you've played with... I opened for Stanley. I did the, I did the warm up act for him. Yes, for sure. Yes. Wow. But again, I was too young. There was, there's a lot of, not, not too young. I was there. You are always in the right place at the right time. That's what right. I believe in. And uh, I was trying to observe as much as I could, and also enjoy the enjoy the opportunity of being there and and be proud of it, even though I was on the learning curve or then. But uh, but yeah, I do remember <clears throat> I do remember um, Stanley Clark, that's for sure. And um, I lost the thread. What were you saying? I, I, I we were talking about um, we would go on the way to how did you meet Judith? How did that whole association happen? Yeah. Exactly. So, um, as as I was doing the house drum duties, um, okay. Lizzie Ball is a fabulous uh, uh, violinist, and she started this new series called Classical Kicks. So it's classical music with um, uh, uh, mixed with other styles, with other things. So basically, always twisting styles in one mm -hmm. night. And started Ronnie's, and of course, my setup was the cajon to start with. So Gabby. 
saw that happening and she was like, oh, okay. And she, by then, was already working with Judith for 10 years. She's one, being one of the longest uh, members with Judith. And I cannot wait to play with her, too, again. And um, so, and, and she, she said to Judith, do you know what? There's this guy called Pedro. This was in 2013. And she said, um, yes, let's call him. And her father passed away in 2013. So Judith texted me, early Judith. I didn't know Judith well enough. And she was like, Pedro, I'm so sorry, but I would love to call you one. I get this sort of, I'm going back to LA. When I come back, we, we figured it out. And so the next year we did our summer concert and we got to finally work the repertoire with the Cajon. And she was like, that's when she said, you know what? I don't really like drum kit. And I was like, okay, I totally understand what you mean. <laughs> and that was the beginning of the end, a beginning of the beginning of, uh, mm -hmm. not the beginning of the beginning of our relationship musically. And, uh, it's been really rewarding and right now I'm kind of adding more things here and there because her music is needing more intensity but not yet coming to the drum kit approach yeah but when I saw you at NAM, you had a lot of things it wasn't just the cajon you had no. a lot of other things going and you were doing really interesting things with those things um can you can you give us another taste of something can you play something for us of course let's do it let's do it can't have you here and not have you playing. Just not right. Also, it helps when you start relationship with some companies, they start putting you in front of instruments that you might want to use. And this is one of them. This is a, a six-song cajon where you can actually play the, the bottom, the best. Oh wow. oh, wow. So basically, I actually can go very hard now. Uh, yeah, let you talk, and then maybe I do a final, a final. Yeah, we have um, as as those of you who are out there uh, suspect, we're going to stop in time for the for the DNC because we know everybody's going to be. We don't want to fight that going no. on. And uh, actually, uh, Barack Obama is going to be speaking tonight, and Hillary Clinton is going to be speaking tonight, Ooh. and uh, it's going to be um, quite the evening at at the DNC. Um, and I also uh, just want to take a moment, uh, Pedro, excuse me for a second, but uh, I lost a good friend today and uh, it was quite shocking and sudden. Um, for those of you out there who knew Flo Lawrence, for anyone who didn't, um, he was an extraordinary human being, really an angel on earth, um, who dedicated his life to being of service to others. And um, he was on his bicycle today and um, there was a beautiful picture taken of him. Uh, he and his ex-wife stayed very, very close and they were riding their bicycles and they were in this beautiful scenic place and they took a photograph and Pedro, I've got to show you, it's crazy. There's a streak of light coming from the sun down his body. Two minutes later, he passed away. I mean, it's like, 
it was when I asked a friend of mine who's very spiritual, which we thought that might be, she said that she felt it was his guardian angel taking him, you know. Anyway, so um, I just wanted to say um, a word of love and respect for Flo Lawrence, who will be very, very deeply missed. And I'm sorry to, uh, I just couldn't not acknowledge him today. Um, but anyway, okay, let's get back to, to happier things. So, so you guys finally got to be in a room together and play again. I imagine that you had a lot of work canceled when all of this went down. Yes, I did. <clears throat> and I cannot, you know, I'm not going to even say how much um, I didn't do. But it was a, it was a full year. It was all planned and it was going to be very, very varied as I like it to be. Um, London, playing Baroque music in April for Easter. And then tour some more with Judith, record with her. And um, work on my project with Hammond Organ, with Ross in London too. Go to Portugal as well to play with Julie Rezende. Um, it's been so nice uh, because of you. You've made me really go back and look around what I've been doing, and it's, it's, I'm very, I'm very happy to have people around that I really love to work with, and that's kind of what all comes to is to, and also you attract that, I guess. You know, you attract what you wish for. So I always wanted to be surrounded by good people and better people than me, so I could raise upon, raise up. My game. And, and also, when I was in, in Ronnie's, I, even when I started Ronnie's, because I have to clarify, I'm not no longer doing the house drum duties because I start traveling so much around 2012, 13, 14. I, I had to, it, it was a very natural way uh, that that happened. But um, yeah, I'm very grateful and thank you, Ronnie's. But, um, but I always said to myself, I want to make music in every corner of the world. I actually wrote that down. I was like, that this is how I feel like, and it's be careful what you wish for, right? Because it's really happening, and it's happening in a very organic way. And um, I'm I'm surrounded by uh, again by great musicians. That um, I mean, uh, it's just it's just I couldn't ask for better, really. And but this COVID has made us to reflect, and and thankfully, uh, thankfully I'm not. Um, I am. I always learned um, to never live week by week so i did have some money saved so i i can now not be total um struggling as soon as you know that was possible so but i, I fear for my fellow musicians that live gig by gig especially yeah. in cities like london new york it's so expensive or any big town absolutely so, that that is changing because now i'm having to reassess my my positioning in in world and i want to still create for people so this instrument hand pan is going to be the next uh, kind of release i'm going to do uh, for people to listen in whatever format they want and it's going to be basically the premise of this uh, hand pen release is basically a response to how i struggle to be alone and not be able to make music with other people like i did so i went to central park and i think one day i was tuning into your show i was in central park to go to That's and I just busked, um, not not to get you know not to get tips per se. It was just to give, uh -huh. and and I gave with a full heart, and I managed to capture a lot of performance with the nature sounds, with birds and people walking around. So I'm very excited to put that out um, later on this month, next month, um, because then we have to sort about uh, release. Um, release um, strategies. You always have to have a little strategy, right? You cannot just put it out. And so that's it. 
So I agree with you that, uh, that we can manifest what we put out there and, and the intention that we set. So if you had to set an intention for what you'd like your future to look like, what, what, what is that? What is your highest dream of, of where you can go with music? What, what would be some things that you haven't yet done that you'd still love to do? Wow, that's. Um, I think one thing is to keep doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and have patience and do mm-hmm. do moves that you think are going to uh, somehow uh, not just elevate you but elevate others. So. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that's what I'm looking. I, I think it's just basically have this same recipe I'm living right now, but let it spread and somehow uh, all you can do is to wanting to reach more people, you know, mm-hmm. in a very organic way. And I think that's and I, again I want to ca- carry on thinking that I want to play with the best people possible. So I've got some ideas of people I'd like to play, but I'm really happy where I am now. So wonderful. I think it all happens naturally, and it's just uh, sometimes a word like someone said. Call that guy. Call that guy. He's right for you, and that always ends up happening for you. It's about having the patience, I think. Patience is so, that's amazing. And also, technology make us so um, impatient. So, yeah, impatient and very kind of um, on the edge with everyone. Especially now, we have this medium to connect. We wouldn't be able to connect if there was no medium. But yes, right. There's a positive side that we have to hang on to, but there's also a dark side we have to make sure we switch it off too, because we become so dependable and codependable, codependent, and um, and let's not forget we are really humans and try to get that feel. So, people, what, your, what does your life in COVID look like? How how have you? What are your days like? What what you you've been tra- you've traveled in COVID, right? You've gotten on planes. Yeah, right, so you're not COVID crazy. You're not particularly frightened of getting sick, or no, I'm not. I know mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm uh, if I do what's safe and required and be be informed. Uh, that's it. You have to be informed and not take risks. Because you wear a mask. I'm... Please tell me you wear a mask of when you. Of course. Okay. The best. The best. So you you're using this in a very creative fashion. You're going to put out a, you're going to put new music out in the next yeah. month or so. You're you're playing again with Judith. What what else is what else can you do if it looks like we're going to be doing this for another many months? What what else can you do in COVID? I think um, I, I've I've learned a lot of things, and one thing I learned I love to do is to cook. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, Amy's vegan, so she's vegan, so I'm learning a lot of vegan. And I improvise, I just do on the spot. And sometimes I wish a bit, I had a bit more of production skills to just film everything and then edit it out. I just didn't oh. And so basically, but that's what I've been doing. I love cooking. I love, um, I love sharing knowledge. So I have a couple, of, I have some private students I love to have and take them under my arms and say, hey, let's work on this and that. So I'm enjoying that. Maybe I will make that more official. Uh, because I just um, I like to give lessons when it's a very specific kind of mission. I want to make sure I can either open one or direct to a different a specific thing. Um, so, so while we're here, I'm doing a lot of painting. I paint house now. And so while we're here, so if there are those listening who might be interested in studying with you, it's it's something that you can can you do it via technology? You can do it this way. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm definitely using that. I'm using Zoom. I have two cameras, and I can definitely um, take a student and actually have very good results. My uh, student in London that I have is really doing really well, and I'm very happy with his progress. And also, it's not just about teaching and passing on. It's just you know, nurture, you know, also grow as an individual, depending, depending which age you are. But I love to understand the human being you're dealing with to see what, how can you make them think of bigger things? Because have, music is different. Yeah. Did you have mentors when you were? Yeah, I did. Yeah, mm -hmm. I did several. And one of the best mentorship I had was in Iceland 10 years wow. ago. Wow. I did a course in Iceland uh, for the masters in Guildhall and it was about all about leadership course, how to go into a community and build something up from scratch with a community with so with social skills and musical skills, how mm. to get how to get you to make a show with me in less than three hours. No problem. We can just come up with the material right then. Okay. Uh, and, and kind of something I worked and I love and as a musician as an improviser that I'm really I think that's where I really am I'm an improviser at heart I can just tell the story a narrative not so much in this format today was very much more isolated in one thing maybe at the end I'll, I'll develop yeah we're actually coming to six o'clock so we're, I'm gonna have you play again but um, but at, but finish your thought that you were saying because I think that's really important yeah so yeah leadership that course in Iceland really helped me to have um, leadership skills to uh, then adapt to any any group environment. So I, I deal with groups sometimes. I go to a school. I was in Poland last year. I had 25 students with me. I got them to improvise and how to feel the beat because it's all about connecting to movement. And I tell, do you know what? Sometimes, Vicky, people tell me, I have no time. And I say, you have time because you can walk. If you can walk, you have a pulse. So you have time. <laughs> you know? Because the motion the motion is there like a heartbeat. So you can play with that. I'm speaking of time. How thrilling is it to play with someone like Lee Sklar, who has got time like nobody's business going on there. I mean, you two really work beautifully yeah. together. We, yes, yes, so, yeah, yes, yes, such good time that we can play with the time a lot. We play with our time a lot. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's a privilege. Pedro, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so grateful. And it's been so lovely to get to know you a little bit because I, I, I didn't know about this whole spiritual side, but it makes so much sense because I think that's what moves me so much about your music is there is so much soul in everything that you do. Um, I, can feel, I can feel you when you play and I think that's what pulls me to it. Um, so I'm a big fan and I thank you so much for doing this. And so, so play something for us uh, before we go watch some politics and hit our heads against yes. the wall. <laughs> okay. This probably is going to be inspired by your friend that just passed away. So this is for him. Oh, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
And I felt that spirit going to flow. And thank you so very much. Thank you for doing this. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you. And I can't wait to see you play live again. And with Lee and with Judith and with Marcus and to have you in my living room. And I look forward to that day. And you'll give me the links so that I can um, post them for everybody so they can find your music. Thank you so much, Vicky, for your time. And enjoy the Democratic uh, Convention. It's very essential that everyone votes, please, for a change. Vote. Everybody vote. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you all. And um, I will see you next week with um, with Beth Sussman, who played uh, piano keyboards with um, Whitney Houston and with Bette Midler. And she's an amazing musician as well. And um, and I'll see everybody on Shooting the Shit with Vicky tomorrow. And thank you again, Pedro. Loved it. Thank you. Ciao, ciao.